Welcome to the Blueville Podcast. My name is Andrew Rosenbaum, and I'm here with... Derek DeBoer. Yeah, and today we're going to be talking about things you can do in your landscape in the dead of winter. Yeah, a lot of times people say, hey, it's your slow time during the winter time, but there's actually quite a few things that we can knock off the list here in the winter months, and so Andrew and I are going to discuss a little bit of that. Yeah, yesterday, um, oh, as of recording, it is January 17th, 2023. On the 16th, yesterday, Martin Luther King Day, it was 50 degrees. I got home from work and spent two hours outside with the kids, uh, just in a light t-shirt and a light jacket, taking down Christmas lights, playing in the sandbox, looking around my lawn, thinking, boy, I should really clean that up. <laughs> but uh, wasn't quite in the mood to get going quite yet. But yeah, it's one of those things where if you're itching to get going, as long as it's above freezing, there are several things you can do out in the lawn. Uh, we're going to start out with just a little bit of pruning. Spirea, we'll start with the things that you can just take a pair of shears and cut back. Spirea, you can cut back with a set of shears, cut off two-thirds of that growth till you've got an upside-down popcorn-shaped shrub. And then it might be a little counterintuitive, but take your heavy boots that you're wearing and just kick the snot of that, out of that thing. Uh, bust up all the old, dead, hard um, growth down there, rake that up, and your spirea is ready to start growing again for the spring. Um, grasses, ornamental grasses, take your shears, um, cut them six to eight inches up off the ground, bundle those up and haul them off. Um, again, kicks any of that old dead stuff out of there. Uh, a lot of times, grasses, as they get bigger, the interior part can die out. So if you can keep that cleaned out, you prolong the life of your grass. Other things like liriope and perennials. Perennials go through, deadhead everything. A lot of times you can just grab it with your hands and pull everything that's dead off of that plant. And liriope, um, if it's a small area, again, the garden shears come in handy. Uh, if it's a larger area, pull out your push mower and <laughs> knock it down low and chop it off and suck it up with your mower and then rake it up and clean it up. Um, Derek, do you have anything about other things you can prune this time of year? Yeah. So, and as a reminder, sometimes you're out looking at your yard and you don't know what shrubs you're dealing with. Um, we do have multiple ways of accessing us here at the office. So whether you want to take a picture and text it in or email it in so that we can help identify these shrubs and different plants, uh, that's sometimes helpful too. I'll run down some of the other plants. So as a general rule, what we don't want to do is compromise any of the blooms that we're going to see here in springtime. And so we're going to, rather than touch on all the shrubs that you can prune, I'm going to talk briefly about the ones you shouldn't prune at this time of the year, and then we can vary from that. So the ones that you don't want to prune on are the ones that set on their flower buds with last year's late growth. And so those are going to bloom here first thing in the spring. Shrubs such as forsythia, your lilacs will be a springtime bloomer, not first thing, but later on, and they have active flower buds on them right now, and your old-fashioned uh, spirea. So Andrew was talking about shearing back a lot of our uh, summer blooming spirea, but the old-fashioned ones like a renaissance or van hoot that, um, that uh, bloom white first thing here in the spring. Those are the ones you don't want to shear back. You want to let go ahead and let those bloom. And so you don't want to be pruning on those shrubs. Everything else is pretty much fair game if it's a deciduous shrub at this time of year. So viburnum, for instance, they take a really good pruning at this time of year all the way until, let's say, March 1. So you have a time frame here that you can take care of that. Your althea, 
there's some are blooming, but they're going to bloom on new wood. A lot of your hydrangeas, there's different categories of hydrangeas, but a lot of those you're pretty safe to do some pruning on at this time of the year as well. The end goal really with a lot of these shrubs, if you're thinking, what do I prune? Do I need to prune? Um, the first thing to look at is, do I need to prune it? And there's some kind of general guidelines. First of all, if it has outgrown its space, then perhaps you want to prune on it. So if it's getting above a windowsill and obstruct, obstructing a view, if it's getting into the patio, it's making things hard to maintain or mow. Maybe those are reasons why you would want to prune the shrub. Um, second of all, is it not looking so pretty anymore? <laughs> Sometimes they just get a little bit tangled up. A lot of our older shrubs, um, the old canes, can kind of live their lifespan and they're maybe inhibiting new growth or promoting growth on the exterior of the shrub where we want it to look nice and full. So maybe that's a reason to go into depth. And there's different pruning strategies, and perhaps we'll go into that in more depth on a different episode because that can get a little tricky. But those are some of the reasons why you might want to prune at this time of the year. And then it's going to lend itself to making future spring maintenance a lot easier. Uh, we'll touch on top dressing our landscape beds with mulch or gravel, kind of dressing that up, and also the final bit of um, leaf cleanup that we need to do before springtime and some weed preventers. And either, even if you're not using chemicals, if you're just getting down in there and hand-pulling weeds and that sort of thing, sometimes it's hard to do that with all these shrubs at maturity. Um, Andrew talked about the spirea and the grasses. Those are things you want to get cleaned up before you do all these other things because it's just going to be so much easier. So it just kind of lends itself to that process later on. But the take home for kind of the rest of the shrubs that would take a little more strategic pruning is don't prune on the ones that are going to bloom first thing this spring. Wait till they're done blooming and then you can prune on them. Everything else you can generally tackle at this point. So if you can remember back to what you have in the yard and when it bloomed, um, that'll be really helpful at this time of year. Yeah, anything that uh, the main attraction is the foliage, um, like burning bush, privet, um, feel free to cut those back. Nine bark. Nine bark. I'd be a little careful with nine bark. We've noticed that we've done some nine bark proving, uh, pruning this time of year, and we'll get a late cold snap, and it can not kill And so that's a, a good little. point. Sometimes you can promote some tenderness, I guess, or expose some tenderness on a plant, and, and nine bark has been one that has done that for us. Yeah. The other thing would be like boxwoods. You'll get winter damage, and you'll be tempted to cut that winter damage off. Just wait till late April yep. <laughs> before you shear that off or prune that off um, to make sure that you get everything you need to. Roses are another one that uh, you could get into there, start deadheading roses. Um, this is a perfect time to look at roses to see if they have rose rosette. Things to look for there is excessive thorniness. A lot of times when you purchase a rose for your significant other, you can grab that stem if you're careful and you're not going to get poked by any thorns. If your rose has rose rosette, there is no way to grab that that stem without getting poked. It's just thorn after thorn after thorn. And then also the the leaves will have a red or purple cast to them. Um, and those are that disease is spread by an aerified mite. So this is a good time to clean up all those dead leaves that are under the, the shrub um, just to make sure that you're not overwintering any mites. I want to touch on knockout roses. Um, no, knockout roses are really good plant for a lot of people. They're very hardy. They grow like crazy and they bloom a ton. And a lot of people will ask, well, how do we maintain them? They actually, in my opinion, grow 
um, larger than they're said to or yes. than we expect them to. And so a lot of times they're planted in areas where they outgrow their bounds. So now they're overhanging a sidewalk. And I like to remind people that you can really prune them back pretty hard and aggressively from time to time if needed. And uh, I like to get them down to maybe 18 inches. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily every year. Again, you can use your reasons and maybe go a couple of years. But if they, if needed, prune them down to about 18 inches because they're probably going to double that size in a season's time. So they're going to be back to three foot in no time. And then maybe thin out some of those canes, keep the ones that are kind of uh, pointing outward so you don't have a lot of interior tangled growth and yep. clean them up that way. And that makes leaf cleanup a lot easier yes. when you can kind of thin those roses out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> those thorns do tend to grab things, uh, leaves, sleeves, <laughs> skin. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good to get those cleaned up and back into the size that the the area is it was designed for. Um other pests that can hide out in the leaves in the overwinter, um, a lot of insects lay their eggs in those uh, dead leaves. So if you have pests that you want to get rid of uh, or that you're having issues with, get those leaves cleaned out, um, scale, other mites. Uh, the oak itch mite is another one that will overwinter in the dead leaf um, down on the ground. So if you can get get as much of that cleaned up, you're you're, you're going in the right direction, eliminating and making it easier to control those insects throughout the season. Other diseases like anthracnose and fire tip blight also overwinter in dead leaves. So get those cleaned up and get removed from the property so you're not uh, leaving an area that can, you know, with a spring rain, start splashing those spores around. The other thing that you need to kind of keep your eye on is your the trees in your landscape. Um, this is a great time of year to prune those trees when there's no deciduous, especially with deciduous trees, when there's no leaves on them. You can see inside the, the leaf canopy and see if there are any crossing branches or branches that you know, need to come down because they're either weakened or twisted, broken. It's a good time to get get your pole saw out and uh, cut those down. And this is really critical, I would say, in the first three to five years of that tree's life. So after you plant it, make sure you're paying attention to how that tree is growing and be sure to go out and visit it every once in a while. It becomes more difficult and more costly if you're going to hire it out uh, to prune a larger tree. So just remember that a little bit of time up front, especially on a young tree, can pay dividends later on in that tree's life and make things so much easier. Yeah. And on that same point, uh, a tree that's less than five years old doesn't have a super well-established root system. So if we've had a dry winter like we've had so far this year, it's not a bad idea to give it a good soaking every couple of weeks with the garden hose or a five-gallon bucket. Um, I've got a customer that lives out by the Tuttle Creek Lake. They live out on the top of a hill where there's very little soil up there, and their spruce trees this summer were looking really rough, and they were asking me, well, what can I do? I said, well, this is actually damage from six months ago when we had another dry winter. Keep those roots wet. If it's if it's not frozen, it's a good idea to water your trees. And spruce trees and evergreens in general can be tough to gauge because by the time they show the stress, like you were alluding to, the damage has already been done. So we're seeing the damage in springtime. We're getting spring rains. Well, they were dry in the wintertime, and that damage was already done. And so now they're showing stress from past. Whereas like in the growing season with deciduous plants, it's pretty easy. You start to see them wilt. And then yeah. we know, oh, they're under stress. Well, it's a little bit more difficult with evergreen trees. Now, 
even with your deciduous trees, if they've been planted within the last three years or so, if they're they're newly planted trees, if you're out watering, give them a drink as well because those root systems, they're still viable while they're not maybe actively growing at this time of year. They're still needing that water and and everything that goes with it. So um, if the weather has been a little bit on the warmer side and we've missed the snows and the rains, it's good to get the garden hose out or hump the buckets if if you have to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, now once you've got all your your shrubs pruned back as as you need them to, and you've got your leaves picked up, just do a once over in your beds and see if you need a fresh layer of mulch or anything like that. Mulch we like to install at three inches deep. The deeper, the better to to an extent. Um, more than three inches, your you know law of diminishing returns, and sometimes you can't start doing harm. But that three inch mark does a really good job of preventing weeds from germinating. Not to say that you won't be out there every month pulling something but you'll really notice a difference if you've got a good thick layer of mulch and that thick layer of mulch we're talking about areas between plant crowns or between the bases of plants we don't want that thick layer mounted up on the plant and so that's where andrew's talking about um, it could have some harmful effects if you're mounting this up all around the plant and getting it up on the stem of the plant but out in that open area between plants, that's where you want that nice thick layer of mulch. Yeah, you don't want that volcano look right. around your Especially trees. Especially around trees, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that will <laughs> do more harm than good. Um, so it's a good time to take a look at your landscape, uh, your ground cover, and just see if you need to add some thickness or even just a light layer to just get some color back there. Yeah, that's the big thing for, like, from a design standpoint. What we want that landscape to look like in the spring when everything's starting to green up and flowers or buds are popping, we want it to have a nice fresh look. So we're introducing, if you have even the depth of mulch, you're introducing that color back in. So it can be even a thin layer. So if you're going out and check, um, if you know that you have three to four inches of depth, you're good to go for like the weed suppression. And as Andrew said, there's gonna be some weeds in there every once in a while, but you just need to get that color back in. So you're maybe introducing an inch or less of mulch at that time, really scattering it out um, at that point, but you want it to look nice and fresh. And the other thing with wood mulch, any natural mulch really, is that it's doing what nature intended it to do. It's gonna break down from time to time and amend the soil and you're gonna lose that depth. So you also want to reestablish that, you know, we. We like to have a fresh layer of mulch every year. You could probably get by every other year for the purpose of maintaining the depth. But aesthetically, you really want to top dress that um, over, you know, on a yearly basis. The other thing is trends might change. You might want a different color. Yeah. You, maybe you painted the house last fall and you want to freshen up the landscape and, and give it a new look. Maybe you're going with a darker color mulch this time. So you can do that with a top dressing as well. Maybe you're going a little thicker to introduce that new color, but there's a couple different reasons why you might want to freshen up your mulch. And the same is kind of true with your gravel beds from time to time. Maybe you need to top dress those or fill in a little area as well. Yeah. If you see any weed or any landscape mat, you want to cover that up, make sure you've got a good layer over that. And now's a great time. You know, like I said, it was 50 degrees yesterday, pushing 50 today. It's not too early to put your preventer down in your landscape beds. Um, whether that's Prene, Dimension, Prodiamine, there's a new product that we've been using called Crew, which I've been fairly impressed with. You've yeah. used that too, Derek. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's right up there in the category with the others. I really see uh, nothing wrong with that. I want to ask you, Andrew, so what is your strategy 
we've talked about cleaning up all the beds and that goes a long ways because we don't want to be so I guess I should back up and have you explain a little bit about what a pre-emergent is and what it does but from my point of view we've cleaned up the beds and that's a good thing because we don't want the chemical to lay on top of leaves and that sort of thing mm -hmm. as much um, contact with the bed as we can get uh, the better so um, let's talk about what a pre-emergent is first of all and, sure. and kind of how it acts so that we know when we're out there doing it um, maybe how to make it as effective as we need it to be. Sure so a pre-emergent um, is pretty self-explanatory it acts before the weeds emerge um, so that means it will only act on seeds. It will not act on existing plants, it, like specifically perennial or diennial plants like dandelions and clover. A lot of perennial grasses, it's not going to prevent those from germinating. So if you can see it, it's not going to kill it. Right, correct. So it will prevent annuals from coming in. This time of year, the annuals you're going to be seeing in your landscape bed is going to be cheat, chickweed, henbit, kind of the main three ones. I haven't seen any yet, which is surprising. Normally it's about this time I start seeing that pop up. So you still have time to get your preventer down before those germinate. The biggest thing about when things germinate is soil temperature. So crabgrass, we're not really in the window for that yet. Soil temperatures need to be about 55 degrees for that. So we still have got plenty of time to get that preventer down. You can put it down, just know that you'll probably need to reapply. Each product is a little different, so you'll have to double check the label to see how long it's label says it's supposed to last. Um, so yeah, just make sure if you are using pre-emergent to kind of overlap your, your applications a little bit so you're getting your next round down before the previous round wears off. I think most people are familiar with the Preen name, that brand. I think that's, but all of these in effect act similarly. So again, read the label, make sure they're targeting the plant you need it to, or at least a broad list of plants, because you may not know which weeds you have. You just know last year you battled weeds all year long. Mm -hmm. But uh, these pre-emergence, man, they're slick because I can go out there, like you said, maybe today, this weekend, well, maybe not this weekend because it's going to be kind of nasty weather, but I can go down out uh, beforehand and put this chemical down and then I know, well, I'm probably protected for a couple months. Right. And then I can mark on the calendar or try to remember to do a follow-up application after a couple big spring rains or something like that. And my job is mostly complete. Maybe a few little weeds spring up here or there, but um, it, it does a, a big job with a really simple process. Yeah, and a lot of those, most all of them will need to be watered in. So again, read the label, see what the instructions are. Um, if you can put it down before uh, we get some natural moisture, that's best. Um, a lot of times people ask, do I put it down before or after I top dress with mulch? It really doesn't matter. As long as it gets watered in, you're going to be in good shape. And so there's different kind of applicators that you can use with this. Um, we do it on a, on a commercial scale, but for like a homeowner, there's different little shaker cans that you can use, similar to maybe how you would apply ice melt to a sidewalk. Um, I think Preen actually comes in its own shaker can. And one of the handy things is if you find one that works really well for you, save it. You might want to peel the label off if you're going to use other chemicals in it because you always want to update the label to what chemical you put in it. Um, I think that's okay to do. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but if you if you find a good way of applying it because you want a good even application across the board. And again, this is why pruning beforehand, all your leaf cleanup and all that's important because now you get really good contact, like spirea, for instance, and ornamental grasses. You get contact 
with that chemical right up to the base of the plant. Whereas if you didn't do any pruning, you're maybe deflecting some of that chemical out away from the bottom of the plant, and you might have some weeds crop up there. Yeah, and I've gone back and forth between what's the better type of preventer, whether you're putting it down as a liquid or as a granule. The biggest thing is you just need to make sure you have even coverage. I don't think it really matters if it's liquid or granule as long as you're getting it down evenly. And what you are most comfortable dealing with. Like I would rather use a granule, a dry, for most of my applications because I just personally feel like um, I don't risk like a spill or something like that that could get on my clothes. Um, but if you're comfortable, more comfortable using a liquid, go that route too. I'm more comfortable with a liquid, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a company, we've got 300-gallon tanks that we can mix <laughs> stuff up in and we can go do several properties in a day rather than <laughs> yeah. going out with a little shaker. It's a little more challenging for us to do it that way. But as a homeowner, do whatever is easiest for you. And I feel like, um, maybe this is getting too far into this, but I feel like using the pre-emergent is maybe a more responsible approach than trying to go back post-germination and clean up because think about like the, so a pre-emergent, as Andrew explained, has a residual effect. It'll stay there for quite a while before you might have to renew that. Well, if you're only going out and treating the ones that you can see pop up, you might have to do that on a weekly basis. So perhaps you're applying an herbicide post-germination on a weekly basis to keep your beds cleaned up, whereas a pre-emergent is going to keep a lot of those at bay uh, with one application. Yeah, and don't be afraid to pull a weed or two either. No, you know? <laughs> well, and that's the, that's probably the biggest thing. When you do have maybe one or two or three weeds, they're easy to pull rather than having a whole bed full that's come up. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for what uh, we would feel comfortable getting out and doing in the lawn this time of year. If you are looking out and you're thinking, man, things are still kind of dry, dreary, brown, and you want to add some color, the easiest thing is to attract some birds. Um, Get your bird feeders out. Technically, I think you're supposed to start before it really gets cold so the birds know where the the food is, but they'll find it. You'll be amazed at how fast they flock into your yard. I've I've done that. I'm kind of a wishy-washy bird feeder myself. We have multiples out there, but um, I'm not religious about getting everything filled up but i know when i have the finch feeder full to the brim you'll have 15 to 20 finches in there within 24 hours yeah. so they they have a way of finding it yeah so yeah that's a, that's another easy way to bring color into the, your landscape this time of year so well thank you very much we appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this podcast um, and we'll be back at the next episode